Come on, y'all give God a good hand clap of praise this morning, amen. He is awesome, and we are so glad that you are here. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and also Romans chapter number 12. We want to double dip this morning as we're concluding this series of everyday life. And hey, next Sunday is time change. You get to fall back, get an extra hour's sleep. So can we give God a hand clap of praise for that, amen? An extra hour sleep so you can be ready for communion service next Sunday morning. Hey, uh, uh, an agenda that I want to throw out there for next Sunday, I know that sounds weird. I want y'all to be praying that the Spirit of God would show up in an amazing way to see people physically healed next Sunday morning. Okay, we, we believe in the fullness in all of Scripture, and I believe there are so many people in this Northeast Texas area that are struggling with ailments of some kind, whether it be just something simple as sinus issues like that or something major in their life. I still believe in the God who performs miracles. Yeah. I still believe in the God who is the author of healing because he created your physical body. And so I'm praying, and God's put this on my heart for about three weeks now, and he told me just to ask the church to be praying that his spirit would show up in an amazing way, and we would see people, as they take the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ next week, that their bodies would come into alignment with the word of God, and we would see people be healed and transformed, and also emotional healing taking place. We know we have a lot of veterans in our community who are are struggling with uh, PTSD and some things like that. I believe, as Pastor Damon always says, God can do more in a moment than we can in a lifetime. So let's ask that God who can show up in a mighty way to come in and do healings, whether it be physically, emotionally, or in any way that you would need next Sunday morning, because it's going to be an amazing time. As, and guys, this is our first ever Sunday morning communion service as the body of Christ. And some of you are thinking, well, why is that? You've been around for 19 years. Well, we always would do it on Wednesday nights when we had Wednesday night services. Well, well, now this is a youth and children's facility on Wednesday nights, and so we have to figure out, hey, we're going to do this as the body of Christ, and so next Sunday morning is going to be fun, and you get to get in on a first of TWBC. So some of you guys who always say, well, I wish I was there from the beginning. You can jump in on this new beginning right here at the Way Bible Church. And so it's going to be a fun time. And, and also this Wednesday, there's no kids activities. It's just a student ministry facility. They're going to have a pumpkin uh, home run derby contest. I may have to just show up for that and, and see what that's going to be about. But it's a youth facility this Wednesday night. And also if you'd like to buy One Praise t-shirts, today's the last day you can place an order at either information center. And so as you're finding in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6 and also Romans 12, um, I, I want to get off track just for a minute because I want to do something kingdom just for a moment. Can, can we do something kingdom? Is that okay? Um, uh, and I don't really know where to begin with this because there's a bunch of kingdom stuff I want to I want to talk about in the next about 30 seconds. Um, uh, today, Pastor Mitch isn't here because he's up uh, helping lead worship in Evansville, Indiana. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise with that that our worship leader is being able to go and, and do ministry in Evansville, Indiana. Also, in a couple weeks, Pastor Corey's going to be at TBI, speaking where he graduated Bible school from, and so he's going to go out and begin to preach and speak and, and, and teach and stuff like that. And, and I want our church to get ready for this, okay? I want our church to get ready for this because God's putting a mantle on our church that, that he's doing something amazing here that a lot of our leadership is going to be able to go and do and preach and equip other churches, but don't think they've forgotten about you in the process. Okay, as God puts an anointing on our church to be a lampstand in this northeast Texas region and in this uh, great nation of ours and around the world, we can't just do it from here in this one facility. Some of us are going to have to go. 
And so God's raised up an amazing worship team this morning, as you saw, so Pastor Mitch is able to go, and Pastor Corey has some amazing student ministry leaders that he's rising up, so Pastor Corey can go. And as you know, when I go on mission trips and do things around the world, we have an awesome staff here, so I can go, and I want you guys to get used to the fact that we're going to be going and doing and accomplishing the, the kingdom work in, in Jesus Christ. And I want to just um, pray for Anchor Church in McKinney this morning. Pastor Jeff Jenkins, some of you guys know him. He woke up this morning and his truck was stolen. And, and, and doesn't, they're looking for it currently, but, but you know, he's unleashing a big five-year vision for their church this morning. And huh, wouldn't it just imagine that the enemy would try to come in and distract him from releasing a vision for his church? And, and, and so I want to pray for him in just a moment. But I also want to celebrate a church that's local here in Sulphur Springs. And many of you have asked me questions about this church. And I want to celebrate just for a moment the work that one church is doing. Amen? It was, a, it was Pastor Terry Sparks at Family Life Church. And me and Pastor Terry are still great friends. And as he stepped away from the ministry, his son Brian Sparks, who planted um, the church RC in Royce City, they... They, they took over that campus and they changed their whole church name to one church and so they have a campus in Roy City and they have a campus here in Sulphur Springs and they did a whole new church launch and that church is doing amazingly well and can we give God a hand clap of praise for that that's awesome that is amazing and I, and I talk with Pastor Brian Sparks about every other week, and I, I stay in constant communication with their campus pastor over here, Denver Hines. And so I want you to know at the Way Bible Church, we're not in competition with other churches. We are complementing the body of Christ. And they're reaching people on the north side of town that won't cross the physical barrier called I-30 to the south side of town. And so can we not just celebrate that churches are being successful in our city? And give God a, give God a good hand clap of praise for that. I'm excited about what God is doing kingdom-wide. And so there's a whole great big world out there besides TWBC that we can get in on and celebrate with. And I am so ecstatic about the work that God is doing it. And I'm humbled that God would choose our church to be a part of it. Amen. And so God, in the name of Jesus, as we TWBC want to reach people from the ends of the earth to right across the street here in our hometown, we don't want to be an island all to ourselves. We want to be a kingdom-minded church. And we celebrate what one church is doing. We celebrate the people that are going to church who haven't been to church in years. And Lord, the people that are coming to Christ. They've had over 30 people born again in the last month. Man, I'm celebrating that. I'm celebrating that because I want to be a complement with them in the body of Christ as we unite and go arm in arm, pressing forward. And Lord God, be with Pastor Jeff Jenkins as his truck was stolen. I pray, Lord God, that uh, he fi his truck gets found, but if it's not found, I thank you that you got a better truck in store for him. Hey, that you're going to bring back to him. And any time that the thief is caught, he must repay. The Bible says so in Jesus name we thank you for anchor church and what's going on in McKinney, Texas We thank you for one church what's happening here in Sulphur Springs and Lord God I thank you for the way Bible church Lord God this awesome awesome amazing church, which I will say is still the best church. Amen yeah. No, we love you father. We thank you for letting us have a family a place to call home a place to call TWBC and thank you for placing us right here in your kingdom in Jesus name We pray and all God's people said Amen. So as you found in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to kick off in verse number 10. This, the, the series that we're concluding today is Everyday Life. And if you were to ever see me and my wife out just wandering around like on a casual date night or something, this is how I would be dressed. And so I wanted to dress like that this Sunday morning because this is everyday life for me. 
This is how I normally look. This is how I normally go out. This is how I normally dress in life. I usually have flip-flops on if it's, if it's in the warm months. And I found something completely awkward this morning, which made me very, very uncomfortable, that Pastor Jeff and Pastor Damon, our cold-weather pastors, are in blue jeans and long sleeve shirts, and I'm up here with flip-flops and shorts on, and I'm like... What are you doing, God? You know, and so, so this is everyday life, every day on the way. And so I wanted to dress like this because this is the illustration for the whole series. God wants to use you in your everyday life, not just your Sunday morning life. He wants to use you on your way to work. He wants to use you walking through Walmart. He wants to use you as you're in the worst moments of your life. He can, he can use you in the worst places. He also wants to use you in the best moments of your life. And we have got to grab onto the concept that Jesus did all of his miracles on the way to doing something. And God wants to use you in your everyday life. He is so much more than a Sunday morning God. He is a daily heavenly father that wants to be actively involved in your life. And so God wants to use us every day on the way. And our scripture verse for this is Matthew 6.10. And it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And so God says, I want the kingdom of heaven to come and manifest itself in the earth. And there be no separation between God and his people. That's why Jesus Christ came to the earth, lived and died and was raised again and now intercedes for us. And so there would be no separation between us and the father. And he said, this is how it's going to happen. As we pray, give us today our daily bread. He's going to do it in a daily fashion. Every day on the way, he wants to bring heaven into your life through what he's going to give you. And so I'm dressed like this to show the great disconnect between our Saturday morning life and our Sunday morning life and our Monday morning life and how different we are over that three-day time period where God says, I want you to be the same believer. It doesn't matter how you're dressed. I want you to be consistent, the same. I want you to bring miracles, the power of God, heaven to come, not just on Sundays, but every day in your life. And so as we've been talking throughout this series about the two sisters, Mary and Martha, we read in Luke chapter number 10, verse 38 through 42, and it says, now as they went on their way, this is talking about Jesus, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha, everybody say Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching but Martha was distracted everybody say distracted with much serving or obligation and she went up to Jesus and said Lord do you not care that my sister has left me alone tell her to help me but the Lord answered her Martha Martha you are anxious and troubled about many things but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. And as we talk about this, I want us to talk about some things, how we're going to operate in our everyday life, every day on the way to where God has called us to be. We do not want to do anything outside of the presence of God. We want to be in constant communication with the presence of God. And what I mean by that is not the omnipresence of God in Psalm 139 where he says, where can I go from your presence? If I go up here, you're there. If I go down here, you're there. If I go over there, you're there. If I go over there, you're there. And I believe in the omnipresence of God. That's how people get born again in the most awkward, weird places and ways such as people get born again in bars by having a vision of Jesus. People get born again in the Middle East at a massive rate because literally people are having visions of Jesus walk through the most Muslim-ridden areas and people are coming to know Christ in those ways. 
I believe in the omnipresence of God, but I also believe in the conscious presence of God that we must walk in as believers. Where the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So there's a constant communication between you and Jesus. And and I saw a pastor use this as an illustration one time, and it's not a sweat rag for me this morning. But we must live. Yeah, sometimes I need a sweat rag. um, But it's not. And we must live in such constant consciousness of the Spirit of God that's in us and the Spirit of God that is on us that we live in a way that it honors Him and everything that we do, and we do not grieve the Holy Spirit And I saw a pastor use this as an illustration. He said, imagine that this is the Holy Spirit and he's coming and resting upon you. And you must do everything in your life with the consciousness of this so in your obligation or your much serving and are distracted, we don't even realize when the Holy Spirit isn't there anymore. We must live with such a consciousness that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit, that we walk in a way that we always are conscious that He's here in us, for us, and He's on us for the people around us. Did you catch that? Pastor Jeff does an amazing job of explaining this. And he said, and he taught me this one time, he says, Joel, the Holy Spirit is in you, for you. It's the deposit guaranteeing your salvation. It's the what's going to bring livers, livers, rivers of living water out of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. It's what's going to give you liver. Hallelujah. And so God heal a liver this morning if that's an issue for somebody. It's going to bring rivers of living water out of you. It's the Holy Spirit in you that's for you, but he's on you for the people around you. And I want to live in such a consciousness of the Holy Spirit in me and on me that I'm not so distracted by much serving or obligation that I do something that would grieve him and I don't even realize that I've grieved him and realize that I'm not walking in a consciousness with him or without him. And so as I preach this message this morning, I'm going to go ahead and leave this on my shoulder the whole time. And when I do this, every time you see it, it's not because I'm going to be wiping sweat. (laughs) It's for the consciousness that I don't want to preach this message outside of the presence of God. And I want to be so sensitive to him that he says, if he says, Joel, skip this point and say this because I'm ready to touch somebody in, uh, 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 intimately and immediately, I got to be willing to skip that point and realize and trust God that he'll make up that point at some other time <laughs> or that point was wrote in the flesh and he never really wanted it anyway, right? So I want to live with such a consciousness that I never disrupt the presence of God in my life. I want this constant communication. And Jesus said, I can only do what I see my father doing. He lived in such a way that there was this consciousness of the presence of God on him. And I love this chapter, this this story in Luke chapter 10. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving or obligation. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Martha didn't get it. She did not get that the fact that the presence of Jesus in the room was more important than the obligations of the moment that needed to be done. I want to live in such a way that the presence of Jesus outweighs any obligations because if the presence of Jesus is drawing me away from my obligations to worship him and sit at his feet, it's upon Jesus then to give me the ability, the skills, and the power to make up my obligations as I've sacrificed my agenda for his, 
I promise he's got the power to make up for what I did not get done. And I found this to be so true in my life that when I wake up every day and I say this, Jesus, what is on your heart this morning? Because that's my agenda. You know my to-do list. But as I focus on taking care of the needs of your heart, will you please focus on taking care of the needs of mine? And I found out that every time I submit my life to Jesus in that fashion, all my stuff always gets done and done not just on time, but before time, but also all his stuff gets done. And I don't know how he does it, but that's why he's God. Amen. Hallelujah. See, a lot of us wake up and say, I got all these obligations, but I also got this great opportunity to worship Jesus. But if I don't get this obligation done and we're like Martha and our obligations outweigh the opportunities many times. And I don't want to lose you, Holy Spirit. But isn't that just like when we get so busy that we don't even notice sometimes when the Holy Spirit, I don't want to say falls off because he doesn't fall. He's Holy Spirit, right? But he's not there. The next thing we talked about last week was in the story of Lazarus, chapter number 11, verses 5 and Five and six, we talked about this. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we cannot forget the love that God has for us. And if the love of God is ever in question in your life, we need to settle some issues in our life. Amen? Amen. If I ever question, God, do you, do you even love me? You ever prayed those prayers? God, if you really love me, you would just... Right? If the love of God is ever in question in my life. I got deeper issues than worrying about the answered prayer that I'm praying for. And so Jesus qualifies the whole story of Lazarus in John chapter number 11, verse 5 and 6. It says, now Jesus loved Martha. Who did he list first? Martha, the one with the obligations. I love Martha. I love the busybody. I love Martha. And I love her brother, Lazarus. And I love her sister, Mary. I love all of you, but I find it ironic that he lists Martha before them. Because in John chapter number 12, I believe it is, Lazarus is the one reclining with Jesus right before the Lord's Supper. And Mary is the one worshiping at their feet. But he wanted to reiterate something to the busybody, the distracted one, the one that has much obligation. And he said, I love Martha. Make no bones about it. The question of God's, the the love of God should not even be a question in your life. He loves you. He loves you at your worst. And he loves you at your best. And some of you are at your worst this morning trying to look like you're at your best. And quit faking it before God. Just go ahead and be at your worst because he loves you anyway. And let's not put on a mask in church. Let's let the love of God minister to us. And then he jumps down in verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, she goes into good religious mode, right? Her heart came out first. See, a lot of times when we pray, our heart truly comes out first. God, if you really love me, you would. But even now, I know you're God, right? And I believe in you, and I got faith that can move mountains, hallelujah. I got that mustard seed faith, amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
And we try to justify ourselves even after the truth has already came out, right? And so this is what she did. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she's pouring her heart out. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, there's the manipulation coming back in, right? Even now, whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes, and that's a good word, Laura, this morning. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yeah. Ooh, he wasn't playing games with the spirit of manipulation. And I love what Robert Morris says. He said, be gracious with the person, not the spirit. Be gracious with the person, not the spirit. Jesus was gracious with Martha in the moment, but not the spirit of manipulation that was driving her to say, even now we know that anything you ask of God, trying to coax him into, hey, do, do you think you can? <laughs> I triple red dog dare you, Jesus. Right? That, that, that's the Northeast Texas term for right now. That's what she would have said. I triple red dog dare you, Jesus. I know God hears whatever you say. And so with that, he said he was, he was generous and gracious with the person. But look how he addressed the spirit of manipulation behind her. I am the resurrection and the life. Hey, there was no question about Jesus knew who he was. Yeah. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who believe, lives and believes in me, he shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. Everybody say, yes, Lord. Yes, yes Lord. I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who is coming into the world. She had to come to a moment of do I believe or do I not believe? And in that moment, the ending part, she gave the true statement of faith. But in the beginning of that, this is what happened. She still didn't get it, even though she gave the right answer. Did you, did you catch that part? She still didn't get it, even though she gave the right answer. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of him, God will give you. She gave the right answer. But even the right answer, given in the wrong motives, is still the wrong answer. The right answer, given in the wrong motives, is still the wrong answer. Husbands and wives, you know this. <laughs> you know this. Honey, can I go out and play golf? That's fine. The right answer is, yes, fine, go play golf. Did you hear the spirit behind it? Husbands, don't go play golf. I'm just saying, skip it this round. Get out and skip it this round. I'm just telling you. Wives, wives come home from shopping. Oh, I love all the stuff you bought. Husbands say that. Come on now. She hadn't had a pair of shoes in five years. She gets a pair of shoes. Oh, I love them shoes. I'm glad we got money for that now. <laughs> right? Oh, I hear this all the time in marriage stuff. Come on. Y'all know it's real. See, the right answer given in the wrong motives is still the wrong answer. Hallelujah. And so many times with God, we try to play this game when if you'll study Psalm 139, he knows the heart. <laughs> And that's why David ends in the, the psalm says, test me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Because when I give the right answer, I want it to be the right answer, not the right answer with the wrong motives, which makes it the wrong answer. Yeah. I want it to truly be the right answer. Yeah. And Martha, she still doesn't get it. 
And so when I titled this message, does she get it question mark? Does Martha ever get it right? Sometimes I feel like that in my own personal life. God, I'm striving, I'm trying, and it seems like I just keep missing the mark. Will I ever get it right? You know, I'm believing, I'm trusting, I'm trying to take a step of faith, and every time I take a step of faith, it seems like I make the wrong step of faith. God, I'm trying, I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm standing, but I don't see anything happening. And so am I even doing the right thing? God, in my life, will I ever get it? Anybody felt like that, or is it just pastor? <laughs> Telling you, I feel like that more often than not. I feel like Thomas Edison. I just don't have his outlook all the time. When he tried to invent the light bulbs. In fact, there's 10,000 ways I know the light bulb doesn't work. See, I'm always looking at the 10,000 ways it doesn't work, not the one that's still out there. Bless him, I'm glad he didn't quit, because I love having lights. <laughs> Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. It's like the perfect uh, professional sports player. They don't remember all the shots they made. They only remember the ones they missed. My wife puts up with this mentality in her husband all the time. When something's good, good. It's finally right. <laughs> but then I still look at all the things that aren't going so right. And in this process of pastoring and leading a church many times, it's like there's always the one big issue. When we solve the children's department issue, then it's, a, then it's a worship issue. When we solve the worship issue, then it's a group life issue. Then when we solve the group life issue, it's the vision issue of going into next year. When we solve the vision issue going into next year, we got a student ministry issue. And it seems like there's always a revolving issue. And I'm like, God, is it ever just going to be right? And he said, yes, when I come back. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So there's a day coming. And it's out there. Until that, day, Until that day, I'm not going to quit. Yeah. I'm not going to stop. Right. And we're going to keep pressing forward because there's going to be a day because he says I'm coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. There's hope out there that if there's a day, it's going to be right. Yeah, and until that day comes, it's not up to Pastor Joel to try and make everything right all the time or it's my job. To figure out what Mary and Martha, or what Martha finally found out in John chapter 12. And she says this in John chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now this is uh, six days before the Passover in John chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany. Remember where they were when she, um, the very first uh, account we read, he went to Bethany, it was just outside of Jerusalem. Therefore Jesus came to Bethany. Where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, so they gave a dinner for him there, and Martha served. Did you get it? Martha served. Jesus didn't say anything else. Martha served. John, when he's writing this account, said, Martha served. Listen, she served with no obligation. She served with no manipulation. She served with no victimization. She served with no wrong interpretation. She served with no ungodly expectation. It just said, Martha served. Oh, you don't understand. She got it. She finally got it. She got it. And what does that mean for us today? She got it. What did she get, though? This is what she got. She understood that her work, her opportunity to serve Jesus, was her worship. 
She understood finally that her work, her opportunity to serve Jesus was her worship and her worship was her work. And we in the body of Christ, as we wrap up this everyday life series, the whole point of this whole series was this, is to show you that in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter if you are a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter if you are a CEO of a business. It doesn't matter if you pastor a church. It doesn't matter if you are a nurse at the hospital. Your work is your worship, and your worship is your work. Because Jesus wants to use you every day on the way. Zach, when you're driving out to the oil field and you're on that rig with all these people for two weeks and you don't get to see your wife and your kids, you're not doing a service to your family. You're doing a service to Jesus because your work is your worship and your worship is your work. Lisa, when you're dealing with all the people in the offices that you deal with and you wonder, will they ever get it right? Will they ever get off probation? Will they ever get it right? You got to understand, girl, you're not there trying to do a checklist. Did they pay their bill? Did they do their community service? Your work is your worship, and your worship is your work, Susan, when you're cutting hair. Your work is your worship, and your worship is your work. And understand this, Jennifer, when you're teaching school, sister, you're not just teaching kids. This is your worship to the Father, and your work is your worship, and your worship is your work. And if we ever disconnect the two, we're doing stuff outside of the presence of God. We got to begin to understand that the mop is just as important as the guitar. We got to understand the change in the trash can in the men's and women's bathroom between services just as important as playing the guitar. We got to understand that this is my act of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse number one says this, I appeal to you, brothers. Paul is writing this and he understands the disconnect of people's work and their worship. And he says, I'm appealing to you. I'm pleading with you. I'm asking you to stop for a moment and listen. Will you open up not your ears, but the ears of your heart and begin to understand? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies, your everyday life, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When you get up in the morning and you're that stay-at-home mom, you got to remember, you're not raising a kid, you're raising a world changer. And my worship is raising this kid. This is my spiritual worship. The Bible just said it. Can you tell how many years I've mopped? I'm good at mopping. It's the Brookshire's mopping way. Right? Funny, funny story. When people first start mopping, they always try to mop the whole floor like this. And you know how long it takes? It takes forever. But when you finally realize how to work, it becomes easy work. When we realize in the body of Christ, our worship is our work, and our work is our worship, we'll realize we don't want to do anything outside of the presence of God. We can get in the status of life where our work becomes so busy and hectic where I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm hustling, and we lose or drop or walk away from 
the consciousness of the Spirit of God that's on us and in us. And He's appealing to us, come back and don't do it without me. Because my worship is my work. So all those things, it seems like the revolving door of issues when one solved the other. Hey God, as we deal with this, this is worship. We're expanding the kingdom. And you know I love what I love our church so much? It's because we got the good problems. We got the good problems. There's still not enough parking, Pastor. That's a good problem to have. Pastor, we ever gonna go to three services? That's a good problem to have. Pastor, when are we gonna start that new building? That's a good problem to have. Pastor, you see how full it was last Sunday? Yeah, I was. I was up here preaching. I saw how full it was. I really saw. Kind of got a little nervous when I saw the balcony even packed out last Sunday, second service, but I, yeah, I saw it. But you want to know why I'm not in a rush to start a building project? You want to know why I'm not in a rush to start a new parking lot project? You want to know why I'm not in a rush to do a lot of things? Because if we're doing it because it needs to be done and we're not doing it as an act of worship, then we're just building another religious box for people to come gather in and get a spirit of religion rather than a spirit of relationship. So I don't want to build just a bigger box. And as the worship team's coming, as the altar ministers are going to the sides of the auditorium, I have one question for you out of this whole series. How will you live your everyday life?